Well, when they told me I was going to speak this morning, the first thing that came into me was what we're going to talk about today. It's weird. It's about the demonic and evil spirits. And it's like it's Thanksgiving time. Let's do a really nice sermon on thankfulness. And God's like, no, we're not going there. So, last time I spoke, we talked about spiritual warfare being our thought life. And I still am with that, that that is the greatest warfare you and I participate in every day is the battle for our minds. And we constantly have influencing demonic evil spirits speaking into us. The world is full of it. We pick it up all over in our lifestyle, on TV, talking to people in the world. It's all driven by the kingdom of darkness. And so we have to be in the word of God and spend time with God to refute that and to prepare our minds and our hearts to live in the kingdom. Amen? I want to learn to live in the kingdom better. Um, So we're not going to differentiate much today between demons and evil spirits. I'll just call it all demonic or darkness. You will see in some scriptures that one place evil spirits used in the same context demon is used. So... It's all there. I would much rather talk about the presence of God any day of the week. Talk about God rather than the demonic, but the demonic, the darkness, is our enemy. So we're going to try to make this a little practical this morning. But we're going to start in Matthew 9 because it includes the call, includes the heart that we have to have prepared in us first. I'll just tell you this. When I was 19 years old, we had a kid coming to the youth group I was a part of. We went to a youth camp. He left a letter saying he was leaving camp. He has demons, and we didn't know what to do with it. The leader over us at that time at the youth camp was a pastor who did understand a little bit about it and said, yeah, he does have them. They do exist today. In the Western world, demons generally, it's changing today, but demons hide. You get over in the Eastern world, demons are much more exhibit. They're there in their power, okay? So, for instance, when we're in Sri Lanka, the way their church handles it is they don't go around casting demons out of people. They just wait till church service, a demon manifests. They pull out the tarps on the floor. They put the person in the middle. They pray for the person, the demons go, they go back to having church. It's not, you know, pull them up on stage and rah, 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 rah. This kid went to camp. He said he was leaving. He had an encounter with God, supernatural encounter with God, where God cast out demons. There was light shafts involved in it and the whole thing. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know better. Two weeks later, the demons came in. We'll talk about that a little bit again this morning because we didn't handle it right, which led to one night after church, him saying, I want the demons out. And I was young enough to go, well, Jesus said to do it, so we're going to do it. And I went and got Jim Gerber. Some of you know him. He was a six-foot-two, well-built Ohio farm boy, and he was our youth leader at the time. And, And so we 
That night we cast out like seven of them. The next night we had a youth group in Mancelona with a couple of pastors that ran that youth group who also believed that demons existed. And so that night we cast out the others. Brand new reality for me. I seen some of the stuff that the Bible talks about. I seen the foaming at the mouth. I seen this kid that when him and I would wrestle, we were evenly matched. But that night he was taking Jim Gerber and I, and it was all we could do to hold him down. We did a ton of things wrong that night, okay? If we did it today, it would be completely different than we did that night because we've learned some stuff, okay? But I've seen the wicked smiles. I've heard the demons speak out of people, yada, yada. And since that time, every now and then I get drawn into this again. And it's like, God, no, thank you. I want nothing to do with this stuff. And yet somebody will get a hold of me. Another pastor will call. Hey, will you help me? And it's like, yes. So it's the last thing. I'd rather pray for the sick any day. Bring the sick. I'll pray. So. Jesus has been healing the people, preaching the kingdom, not just salvation. He preached the kingdom. The gospel of salvation is an entrance into the kingdom. The kingdom is a much bigger message than salvation. Okay? Jesus said you got to be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. Well, we want to do more than just enter. I want the whole kingdom. Okay? I want you to have the whole kingdom. And we're advancing on it. Jesus said to seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And so I'm still learning to do that. But Jesus has been healing and he looks up and verse 36 of chapter 9 is where we start. When he saw the crowds. First thing, Jesus saw the crowds. The question is, how did he see the crowds. Did he see him like Brent would see the crowds? Or did he see him like the Father, the Heavenly Father, seen the crowds? Right? Because when Brent sees crowds, Brent doesn't see what Jesus seen. And we're rectifying that. But Brent can see the crowds with a critical, judgmental, condemning spirit if he's not careful comes very natural. It's our default setting to see that way. But Jesus seen it differently, so we're going to talk a little bit about how Jesus seen it differently. Because when we talk about the demonic, the condition of our heart means everything. So when Jesus seen the crowd, he had compassion on them. Jesus is the exact representation of the Father. The father's heart is filled with compassion. And when Jesus seen, his heart was compassionate like the father's heart. So rather than to condemn and laugh at and shove away and push away those people because they're weird, da, 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 he ministers to them. Okay? He had compassion on them. Why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They were harassed. The kingdom of darkness is all about harassment. 
It's all about harassing you, all about harassing me. They do it in our minds. They'll do it physically. They'll do it emotionally to us. That's where they come at. They're not happy with us because we are gods. They don't like God, so they don't like us. And they work in whatever way they can to come and harass us in life in all the different areas that we allow to. And some family lines have a lot of harassment flowing through them. Countries, different countries have different kind of harassment flowing through them. I was amazed when we went to Ukraine how much demonic activity was there. But then they are an old culture compared to us in America. So they have a lineage of stuff that's flowing through them. They were harassed and they were helpless to do anything about that. John just talked about hopelessness. Well, hopelessness is a lot like helplessness. Now, we today know the name of Jesus and we know Jesus, so we know where the authority is at. These people were just learning, and as they encountered Jesus, then things started to happen. So Jesus is seeing the crowd, not like Brent, but like the Father does. He sees the hearts of the people, that they are harassed, they're helpless, they're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are dumb. Sheep don't know how to take care of themselves. They need someone to take care of themselves. Or the wolves and the lions and the bears harass the sheep, and the end is not very good. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. That is a very interesting verse. And I believe today if Jesus was here, he would say the same thing about northern Michigan. Because Jesus sees with the eyes of the helpless and the harassed. We see people making stupid mistakes. And how can they be so dumb? But we forget they're helpless and harassed. And we're the ones that bring the message of hope and the ways of God. So the harvest is plentiful. Do you believe that today? In northern Michigan, do you believe around Kalkaska, around Mancelona, Traverse City, Gaylord, the harvest is plentiful? The trouble is not the plentifulness of the harvest. The trouble is workers in the harvest. The trouble's not out there. The trouble is in here. Not trying to load condemnation, but I'm trying to say to us, we at Coast Springs got some things to learn, and I've got some things to learn about harvesting. Jesus said... The harvest is plentiful, but the bringing it into the barns is the trouble because we don't have enough workers doing the harvesting. I believe that we are on the cusp of billions of souls coming into the kingdom worldwide. And that God is getting harvesters ready to bring that in. He's, he's getting people to build barns for the harvest. He's getting people to disciple the harvest. He's getting people ready to bring in the harvest. 
but he needs the workers of the harvest in the church to go get them. And once you get them, what you going to do with them? Because the harvest is not going to be nice church looking people like us. Some of them will be, but several prophetic words when I was pastoring was, no, this church is getting the ones that the other churches don't want. Okay, that's fine. Because that means there's more grace for us to minister to them and we'll need more of the power of Christ exhibited to do that, to make that happen. Got to move on. So then the first step in preparing harvesters is to ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into the harvest field. Just what we're talking about with Jonathan this morning. Jesus says for us to pray that in the kingdom of heaven, harvesters would be raised up. So what do we mean by harvesters? What does a harvester look like? We go directly from chapter 9. We could just take out the chapter headings there, and we could just keep going. Jesus calls the 12 disciples to him. The first part of harvesting is to walk to Jesus and become intimate with him. You will not be able to harvest without hearing and responding to a call, not just to be a Christian, but to go deep with Jesus, take on his heart for the harvest. So there is that intimacy with Jesus that happens in us. And the more you experience the Father's love, and you find out how loving the Father is and his desire of you, and you get in the Word, and you find out that Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, before the world was even created, God chose us to be sons, and God just didn't choose us in here to be sons. God chose the ones at home this morning with hangovers, getting over a night of drugs, those that are waking up with a new person in bed with them. He died, and he chose those people before the world was created to call them into his sonship. And that's where we become involved with this. And we need to grow so close to the Father in his love that we start as sons of the Father, desiring to please the Father by bringing him more sons into the kingdom. So Jesus calls his 12 disciples. We're going to have to answer the call to be a harvester. Otherwise, we'll just leave our North American Christian lifestyle of comfort, pleasure, convenience, and we'll not worry about the loss. That's God's problem after all. My problem is just to get me to heaven. And no, we're harvesters. We're called the harvest. So he calls his disciples to him, and through the intimacy and life with the 12 disciples and with us, he gives us authority. He gives us authority. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Authority to do what is the question. Authority to preach the gospel? Well, that's part of it. But there's that authority to drive out impure or evil spirits 
and to heal every disease and sickness. How are we doing with that? Verse 7 and 8, just down the list a little bit. Jesus is still talking to the 12 disciples. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Once again, the kingdom of heaven message includes salvation, but it it is much greater than just salvation. Salvation's our entry point, but there's so much more of the kingdom. So, we proclaim, we preach, we talk about the kingdom of heaven. That's one of the things we have authority to do. Because we live in the rule and reign of God. Heal the sick. None of us would have trouble with that. We pray. We see some people healed. We don't see enough people healed. In fact, I would like to see us get to the place where we could just proclaim over Kalkaska no more COVID. And it couldn't exist here because our proclamations in the kingdom of heaven stop it from operating. Raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. We don't have leprosy here. And drive out demons. What did he say in verse 1? He called them impure or evil spirits. Here he calls them demons. So while I think there may be a difference between them, that's not our focus today, but I just want you to understand that, and there'll be some other places in Scripture that they do the same thing. So we're supposed to preach the kingdom, heal the sick, Cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons, and freely you have received, freely give. We are to be very generous with the kingdom of heaven, just like Father God is generous to us. We are not called to decide who is worthy of our ministry, who is worthy of harvesting. Right? But boy, the demons will talk to you when you're ready to go harvest somebody, and they will tell you all the reasons you should not go and harvest that person. They're hopeless. Look of what they've done. They're not worthy. Look at all the children, the molesters out there. They're not worthy to bring in the kingdom. You don't want them. Look at what they could do to your kids in your church. Okay? Stuff demons spill out to us right here in our minds to try to keep us from harvesting what they want. Generosity of the Father. I am amazed when there's five verses in the New Testament about what happened before the foundation of the world or before time. It's God giving us stuff before we were ever created. He's a generous Father. He loves to give good gifts to his children. And he says we are supposed to operate like that. Freely we got it, now freely we give it away. Mark 16 is Mark's part of the, the uh, Great Commission. 
And some people, well, some of the, these verses were not in the oldest text, but they're in the newer text. And so some people don't pay attention to these verses. I pay a lot of attention to them. And Jesus is talking to his disciples at the end. And he says this in verse 17. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Do we have believers here this morning? Then these signs and more, I just put this verse here because we're talking about this one today. These signs will accompany us. If we have a believing loyalty in Jesus, these things will happen in our lives if we allow them to flow. In my name, they will drive out demons. In his name. Because of him, because of his work on the cross and the power of the resurrection. And they will speak in new tongues. So when we talk about demonic, some people use the word possession, oppression. I think it was Francis McNutt who got the word nesting. I like the word nesting because... I'm not smart enough to know where oppression starts and oppression ends and possession starts and possession ends. But if we talk about demonic nesting, that means you've got at least demonic influence in your life, and most of us carry that, but I'm talking about something a little stronger, something that runs down family lines or something that you've given space to in your life that now is nesting there, and you can get rid of it. So... The thought life, which is influencing thoughts. In our thought life, when the demons speak, you don't know it's a demon unless you have the Word of God in you and the Spirit of God. The demon could tell me, hey, look over there, that young, that young lady over there, and she's really, really loaded, billions of dollars. You need to leave, die, and go to her, and then think of what you can do with that money in the kingdom. Okay, easy to identify. Bam, that's not God. That goes against the word of God. Cool. But then he points his finger at Deb and says, da-da-da-da about her, and tries to plant stuff in me. And he will even use our own personal He'll talk like it's us thinking, okay? That was the hardest thing for me to learn is when he talks, it's not me thinking. He makes it, he uses me, and when you like this, and da, 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 and it makes it personal. It's like, no, that's not me talking. I'm not going there. Get out. Take captive your thoughts, make them obedient to Jesus. First step, oppression. Oppression is demonic from the outside. It's the harassment not in the mind, but, but in your finances, in your body. The, I told you about that 19 year, when I was 19-year-old ministering to that guy. For the next year after that, I, whenever I would get around the fire, I'd get burnt. Something, a, a call would pop out at me. Somehow, I would get burnt by a fire. After I recognized it a year later, I said, this is a bunch of BS. We're not doing this. In the name of Jesus, I cut this off, but I didn't know it. I was learning. I didn't have people to run to and say, hey, what's going on? So we learned, and it quit. But that's a form of 
oppression. There's a lot of other ways. Two, possession, which is when you lose control. Luke 6, or Luke 8, talks about the man legion. And he was totally out of control. Okay? Today we would call that mental illness. And we won't look at that story today, but that's a very interesting story. So when I talk about nesting, just it's all the work of the demonic against us. Not trying to differentiate what we're talking about. So those verses we read back in Matthew when he's talking to the 12 disciples, he later on sends out 72 people to go minister. And part of what he tells them to do is to cast out the demons when they find them. Okay? Now they're coming back to Jesus and given the download of what happened to them when they were out doing the ministry, which was the sick got healed, the demons were cast out, they were amazed that they could do this stuff in the name of Jesus, just like I am. Jesus replied to them is, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, I used to think that was back when Satan got kicked out of heaven. And I believe Jesus seen that too, and he felt like lightning in that day. But the context of this is when the 72 went out in that region and did ministry, that Satan, the kingdom of darkness, lost position in that territory because the kingdom of God was spreading and it was taking their, their power down. Okay? And as they're out ministering, Jesus is sitting there and he sees the territorial spirit, whatever it was, fall and lose his grasp. So Jesus saw lightning falling from heaven when the 72 people were out ministering sickness, truth, One of the biggest things that I'm excited about in the coming harvest is truth confronting lies. Now, I know that's not supernatural. You're not going to see people go crazy on it. You're not going to see somebody healed. I mean, it can affect those things. But that's going to be an inward thing of them that the spirit of truth comes into them and reveals to them the lies they're living by. That I just like that because the demonic thinking patterns. Verse 19, Jesus said, I have given you authority. Jesus does not give us fear of the demonic. Part of what the demonic is good in is fear. And they will put that fear on you to immobilize you so you can't minister. There are tons of Christians that when you talk about the demonic, the darkness, they get all fearful. That's because the enemy wants you fearful so you won't do anything about it. And they know how we operate. No, we are people who have been given the authority. Okay? Before he sends the 72 out, it says he gave him authority. Well, in Luke where he says in the 12 out, and then here it says he gave them power and authority. So what's he given us authority to do? To trample on. How do we trample on things? When we trample on things, what is our position? Do we trample on things with our hands pushing like this? 
No, we stand on top of them, and they are under our feet. So who's ruling and reigning in that position? The tramplers. Now, some Christians are still trampled by the demonic, and they should not be trampled. We should be in the process of learning how to trample on them. Snakes and scorpions are symbolic, and there's many more, of the kingdom of darkness. Vicious dogs, monkeys, spiders, all that stuff is symbolism that, for me, when I dream, if there's a black bear in my dream, I know it's demonic, I know it's fear. It's the way God speaks to me. may not be that way for you. It might represent something else. Just know when you're praying or God's giving you something, what they're about. In this case, God says snakes and scorpions, and you have authority to trample on them. Now, I don't mind snakes. I don't like scorpions. I've never seen one. My wife doesn't like snakes. So if I want to have fun, you know what I can do. But there's a price that would come with that, so... And to overcome a little bit of the power of the enemy. It's not what it says, is it? But that's the way we think, don't we? Because they're lying. Oh, you got a little bit of authority, but you don't have much. No, you have authority in you to overpower, overcome all the power of the enemy and What's going to hurt you? Where's the fear? There's no fear if nothing can hurt you. The fear is the unknown that when I deal with the demonic, that somehow they're going to hurt me or hurt my family or hurt the church. No, they're not. If you cover yourself in the blood and you operate, we covered this service this morning, Carol and I, when we prayed this morning with the blood of Jesus because I knew what I was talking about. I knew they wouldn't like it. So tell me in this verse where our hesitation is at. Do we believe the word of God? If so, when the occasion rises, what do we do with it? Now, I think there's wisdom and understanding. And we'll get into some of that stuff in a little bit. Jesus... Matthew twenty-eight eighteen. we know this verse. Jesus came to them and said, I got a little bit of authority for you in heaven and earth. If you just operate in that little bit of authority, you might get a victory here and there. Now, it's all authority. If God has all authority, if Jesus has all authority, how much does that give the demonic realm, the realm of darkness, the evil spirits? Cyril, the only authority they have in your life is the authority that you give them. That's it. God's given them nothing. And if you stay strong and you get yourself filled with the word of God and you seek after God, you will win the fight. And it is a fight with the demonic. It may be longer than what we want or it may be very quick. But we have authority. Now, there's different ways people take care of spirits. Some would be bring somebody up here and cast them out in front of the congregation. And there may be times to do that. I don't know. But in this church, before we would do it, you would meet with 
Bree and Joel probably, and they would run through some things with you and try to determine where it's coming from, what to deal with, and take away the power of the enemy by you going through forgiveness and changing some thought patterns. So when deliverance comes, it's very minutely manifested. Okay, the first guy I dealt with, I told you he had all kinds of manifestations. Never seen foaming at the mouth before. I seen it that night. Seen the wicked grin. I've heard him talk. I've seen the strength that he carried that night that he didn't normally have. Weird stuff. I knew there was a spiritual world that I didn't know about. I knew it existed. I didn't know it existed in America and down the road from me a couple miles. Two. A cough. A sneeze. A yawn. A tickle in the throat. That's all they get when they leave. That does not mean every time you hear someone cough, they're getting rid of a demon. Okay? Otherwise, I've got rid of three or four of them so far this morning. So what happens when Joe and Bree work with you on something like that is they try to shut the doors and bring forgiveness so those demons have less to hang on. Okay? So when I get a phone call, I have two questions for those who want deliverance. Number one is, are you a Christian? Yes, I believe Christians carry demons. It's not God's best for them, but they're in transition getting to the place of freedom. Okay? Whether it's, once again, influencers, oppression, or possession, it's all nesting. And maybe the possession part when happened to a Christian, but oppression definitely happens and influence definitely happens. Because there's no use spending time with you to get a demon out if it's just going to be a house that's clean. And I think that was the scripture I was looking at. Jesus said, when the demon goes out of a man, he goes to the arid places and then he comes back to see if the house is clean or has anything in it. If not, he'll go pick seven of his buddies up and bring them back. Okay? That's what happened to the first guy. He had two demons. They were kicked out. We didn't deal with it. We didn't know any better. They came back. There were 16. We took care of the first eight one night, the next eight the next night. Low Harris and Jerry Bach were there with us. So are you a Christian because there's no use me going through it and you going through it if you don't have anything to put in the house? Number two, are you part of a body? Meaning, who does the predator go after in the wildlife? Not the center of the herd, do they? It's the straggler. It's the sick, the lame, the old, the ones that are on the edge. That's who they go after. It is the same with the demonic. They go after the ones on the edge. 
not the ones that are part of a body where there's strength around them, where, where a body will come around them and gather around them and give them protection. No, they're the ones that are off that call the body when they need something, but they're not going to give to the body. Okay? I won't take time to minister to you if you're going to live your life like that. Because once again, we take care of this situation, next month there'll be another one. Because of the position you put yourself in over and over and over. Not trying to be mean, not trying to manipulate people to get them to become part of our church. No, it's just go to somebody else and let them do it. Because I won't be a part of it. We'll read this, go through this a little bit, and I'll give you one or two examples of stuff and we'll close it. This is an Acts. Very interesting story. Some of the Jews went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke, they're trying to invoke the name of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Notice, they did not respond to his calling them. They're just trying to use him to form a ministry and be famous. Okay? So some of the Jews are doing this. Trying to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who are demonically, who are demon-possessed. They would say, I have come in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, and I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit. Noticed in, in verse... 13, real quickly, they went around driving out evil spirits in the name of Jesus over the demon impressed. Once again, the difference between evil spirits and demonic. Don't get hung up on that. And you deal with them the same way. So one day they come upon this guy and they say, you know, get out in the name of Jesus. And the demon answers them, or the evil spirit, and he says, Jesus, I know. And Paul we've heard about because we don't mess with Paul. But who in the world do you think you are? I have heard a report recently by a person who carries demons that says they don't want certain people coming to this church. And I like that because they know us. And it's not a personal thing with me, but they know Jesus reigns here. And they would rather keep people out of here. We've had prophetic words over this church, Isabel, especially one time dealt with some demonic stuff and and how in the future we're going to deal with those people and get them freed. Then the man with the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. One man taking on seven guys, and he wins. The demonic has power. The kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of darkness has power. It doesn't compare to the kingdom of heaven. And it can't do anything with the name of Jesus. Because they may have power, but they don't have authority. Right? For instance, if the light goes out down at Northland and the cops go there and they can set the biggest, strongest man in Michigan there to stop traffic. But if you're driving a little car, you get to overpower him, don't you? 
if you want to, then you're going to have to deal with the authority. But there's power. But the authority is all ours. And they don't have it. That's why there's no fear. If they had authority, then they could do something. But all they do is run with bluffs and try to let you say okay and give up. But you're the one that has authority and the power in the kingdom of heaven. What did Jesus do in Acts 10, 38? When he came down on earth, he went around doing good over the power of the enemy. Same thing we're supposed to be doing. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. It was not a pretty sight. When this became known to the Jews and the Gentiles, or the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear, and the name of Jesus Christ was held in high honor. Isn't that what it's about? These guys did the kingdom of heaven a favor in a way nobody would have imagined. When they tried to go cast out the demon, the demon kicked their butts really good. And people knew about Paul and the way Paul did it and nothing happens. But when these guys tried to do it, they got their butts kicked. And the difference was who had relationship and intimacy with Jesus and who didn't. So what's the result of all of this? They were all seized with fear or reverence. And the name of Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now, came and openly confessed what they had done, and a number had practiced sorcery, kingdom of darkness, and brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. That's what we call revival today. It affected the community. It affected the demonic. The people who were blinded seen the power of God. And what happens? When people get set free. That needs to happen in Kalkaska. Northern Michigan. In Japan. There's not many places in the world where it doesn't need to happen. Several years ago, BJ and I went over to the Ukraine. We were going to Sri Lanka to do... A school of ministry over there with Har- or with partners in Harvest, and they were having a conference in Ukraine, and so we went over with that, and we were on the ministry team with a pastor from Germany and a pastor from England. This place in Ukraine has a prayer room up above, and Igor does a lot of time up there praying. Mark DuPont, I don't know if you guys heard of him. He's from California. He's a prophet. He was speaking. So we were on the ministry team, which means either the the speaker would lead us into a ministry to do, or people started to recognize us as the ministry team, and they would come up and we'd start to pray for him. I've never been in a place with such anointing in my life. I would love to see it happen here that people would come and ask me for prayer, and as they're asking me for prayer, the word of 
knowledge, the word of wisdom was given to me to know how to pray for them before they got done. Okay? Pretty cool stuff. I'm going, God, I could live with this stuff. So, one night, a man comes up to me and says, I'm a businessman. I do everything by the book. I read the books. I learn how to do this stuff. I do it, and everything's successful for a year to a year and a half, and then something out of the blue comes and destroys my business. And, of course, in my mind, I'm hearing God said, poverty, get rid of it. And so, let him talk, and I just prayed for him. Didn't scream. Listen, demons can hear whispers, okay? As easy as they can hear your shouting. Your whisper it's your authority is not in the loudness of your voice. The authority is in the name of Jesus. All you got to do is speak to them in a normal voice or even quieter and tell them what's going on. So I just said, in the name of Jesus, poverty go. And he starts coughing. Now, he doesn't know what the coughing is. I do. So he's starting to apologize for me for coughing. I haven't coughed for the last couple of weeks. I don't know where this cough came from. And I just let him go. And I said, no problem. Just cough. And we're on our way. Now, the trouble with this is, I don't know the result of all this stuff. I know a demon came out that night. Okay? Name of Jesus, very simple. No big deal. But I was also surrounded in an atmosphere of people beholding God. And living in that when I ministered. Another guy I prayed for came up and just asked for prayer. And I didn't even know what I was praying for him for. I just, prayer blessing on him. Comes back the next night, brings his wife. A healing happened to him that he had been after for years. And God healed him that night of internal heart stuff. Okay? He never said what it was. He wanted me to pray for his wife, so I prayed for his wife, and nothing happens to her. Okay? So don't ask me. Saturday afternoon, just before we went to lunch, a lady comes up to me. Just about everybody else is gone. And she says, my husband wants kids so bad, and I can't have kids. Would you pray for me that I can have kids? And it's like... Okay, we can do that. Because in church, a couple of times, God's had me minister to barren people just from the front, word of knowledge. And shoot, one of them's got now four or five kids. And it was just, God said, tell it to go, barrenness to go. And they went. Well, that's what happens with this lady. God says, tell the barrenness to go. So I do it. And I mean, the manifestations start flying. And it's loud. And there's hardly anybody in there. It might have just been me and her at that point, which was not smart. But... Loud cough, loud screams, you know. But she was getting delivered. Hopefully she's had a couple of kids in Sri Lanka at the school of, of ministry. I think it was BJ talking about generational curses falling down. And we didn't know it at the time. But later on I heard the Karen speak who was one of the overseers of that ministry talking on TV and she talked about the people who came over and did a school of ministry and several of the women who were barren were giving birth to kids. They're like, that's cool. We got to be involved in something that's really neat because I think having kids is probably one of the most important things to 
a lot of parents. So that night, after the service, Saturday night after the service, I mean, the anointing was really strong, and we were out praying for people. And there was this line formed in the front. Okay, I've never done a prayer line in my life. So this is all different stuff for me, but I knew God was there by now. He had built my confidence up to just go for it. And the lady I had prayed for earlier in the day was there, and I knew she could speak English, so she was there with me helping interpret some things until Sasha showed up, who was the one that was supposed to be with me, but she was out picking up things. And so BJ and Christopher Bird are in the back. The German guy was over to the side. I'm hearing demonic screams and stuff going on all over the building. And here's my prayer line that I'm going to start working on. And uh, it was amazing, the people coming through. And like I said, the Holy Spirit just tells you right away what's going on. And you just say it, and poof, demonic happens. There were some people I prayed for that were sick. I'm sure they were healed, but I never heard the testimony because I don't know these people in Ukraine. An old lady come up to me who was never loved in her life. She was an unwanted child. She never got married. She's old, crippled. She said, I just want to be loved. (laughs) So you just wrap her arms around her, and Father's love poured into her, and she falls down in a heap on the floor and just cries, and God's ministering to her. And the next person comes up, and you minister to them, and a demon flies out. Cool stuff. And then there's other people, like Joe talked about, as he walked out of drugs and the demonic fight hanging on, hanging on, hanging on, that sometimes it's not all crisp and clear. Sometimes there is a battle that lasts for a while. One of the best things that happened that I got a hold of was Neil Anderson talking about different ways that you ministered to people with demons. And one of the first ways, and I totally agree with it, was fell them with the Word of God. Because as you fill them with the word of God, it takes away their mental strongholds in you and diminishes some of the strength. And a lot of the demons will leave just as you get in God's word and fill yourself with the word of God. Now, some need, you know, outside help, intervention. And that's cool. But the stuff, when it's new, it's scary as you get more used to it. But I still rather pray for the sick or pray a blessing on you or pray for somebody wanting the Father's love and doing that stuff. How do you get them? Where do they come from? How do you open doors? Well, some are generational. Can you move to the next slide or is that it? Okay. Several ways it happens. One is generational. And there's nothing much you're going to do about that but fight it off. Because it's in your family lineage. And somebody that, the first guy I mentioned, the 19, when I was 19, he had a, father, a grandfather or an uncle or something like that who was a warlock. It was generational. All the kids in that family had to deal with it, and some still are.
by opening yourself up to the occultic things, by games you play, Ouija board, other stuff that are similar. You open yourself up to it. You participate. They'll hang on you. Drugs. A lot of drug use today. What a wide open door for them to come in and grab you and kick your butt. And so it's not just a walk out of drug addiction. It's a walk out of the way you think and being severed from that demon that has nested in the middle of that drug addiction. Traumas. The most unfair thing I think there is. A kid gets molested by an adult. A demon enters that trauma. Though that kid is totally innocent, and I've had to work. Another pastor called me and said, hey, I got this guy. He was six foot two, six foot three, big guy, built big. And my son Chris was with me and me and another pastor who's not in town anymore. And we sat there and ministered to this. And that was what happened to him. He had an uncle, molested him when he was like eight. And now he's got a demon. So we start to minister to it and... He gets his big body up there and nuzzles up against us and tries to intimidate us. The demon's doing this, not the guy. Okay? And we just say, you can't touch us, and we know it. Quit playing your games. So two minutes later, he's over on the sidewalk crying. Once again, not the man. It's the demon. He knows he's going. He don't want to leave. Okay? Because he has no authority. The man forgave the one who molested him. And so, at that point, the demon could leave. If you're going to hang on your unforgiveness, unforgiveness makes a nice, big, cozy bed for the demons to come in and, and lay in. And unforgiveness will get in the way of your healing body, soul, and spirit. It's just the way it is. It is the kingdom of darkness in its fullness. Secret societies, Freemasonry, you get up very high in those things, and there's a lot of demonic stuff in them. I wouldn't touch one of those things with anything I got. There are people who specialize in ministries to those kind of people, and it doesn't have to be you. It can be an ancestor, for instance, that was a Freemason, and he got up to 32, 33 level, and that affects the whole family for generations. And you've got to get free of it because it will destroy your life. And you're saying, why? Where's it from? What's, what's all this curse on me stuff about? Well, you had someone who brought that on you from before, and you just need to use the name of Jesus and get free. And there's other stuff, and, you know, if you got questions, ask some of us. And we don't have all the answers. But we can hear what God's saying. You can hear what God's saying. One of the things that Diane and I don't do because of what I've seen early on in life is we don't watch movies with The Exorcist, any horror movies. Harry Potter will not be looked at in my house because I've dealt with people who used white magic, and I've worked with people who were in the black. Okay? The results are the same. 
Mr. Harry Potter is just a white magic kind of guy, and you get the same demonic crap you do with somebody that's fully into the occult. So it doesn't play in my house, and I don't read the books because I know it's real. And I don't like it. And Jesus came to set people like that free. And there's a lot of people that are entering into the dark side because of things like Harry Potter. One of the first girls we dealt with in our youth group way back years ago when Di and I were doing it came from a family of white magic. And she told some stories that I don't know what to do with. She's a Christian today, a good friend. She's free. But it was part of our learning experience. And her mother, who was a white witch, became a Christian before she died too because of that girl's influence on her. So see how God moves. Anyhow, no fear. No fear, no fear, no fear. Authority, authority. You've got all the authority you need. Answer the call of God. Get close to him. One of the things we've seen in Bangladesh, but I see it around here. The spirit of infirmity. A demon who makes you sick. You get one thing taken care of, it's in another part of your body. We were praying for a woman in Bangladesh and the thing was moving around as we were praying. She got free. Thank God Charlie was there and Charlie knew what was going on. Because he said, oh, this thing's moving around. We got a spirit of infirmity. Go. And we heard a report two weeks later that she's been fine ever since. I see family that deals with that stuff. But if you're not going to walk close to Jesus, that's what you're going to deal with. Because I'm not going to pray for you and bring worse on you. Amen. So thankfulness is that I have a Savior, Jesus Christ, whose name is above every other name. Amen? So i got to let you go. We could talk about this for a while. And I went longer than I was going to go. Tonight we got a, a community meeting. And one of the greatest things we can do for the deliverance of Kalkaska is churches come together, be unified, and be one. That unity will bring a deliverance to Kalkaska. And thank God we live in a, in a community where churches get along and worship and serve and eat together. Let's pray. Father, we cry out for wisdom today in our lives. We cry out for the words of knowledge and word of wisdom as we move in life in our own personal lives, in our personal families, but, Lord, even in those that we meet, in Christian brothers and sisters. That we would hear your call, that we would come close to you, not let things of the world keep us away from you, so that we can operate in the full authority of the kingdom of heaven. Because we have an abiding trust in you. And that allows you to flow through us to touch other people. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. All of that stuff is so much greater than this. 
But, Lord, it's rising up in the land around us, and demons are starting to show themselves more and more, and the church has got to have an answer for it. And there's been an answer for 2,000 years for it. And we just got to walk through it. And, Lord, it's not for pastors. It's not for evangelists. It's not for the apostles or whatever. It's for those who believe. I had no title when I started to operate in it because you told me to. That's the only authority we needed. So we thank you for that. We thank you so much for the work of Jesus on the cross, taking our sins down to darkness. And they thought they had won only to realize it was the very blood of Jesus that they were hungry to kill him and to shed his blood was their undoing. And we get to live in that. So, Father, make us a congregation of harvesters filled with the compassion of the Father who learns to see as Jesus sees and who sits at the feet of Jesus learning authority carrying the anointing to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the leper, to drive out demons, and to be a very generous people. We'll give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen.